HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins. From- Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. Coming to you live today from Southern California, where we just concluded our Grange Revival Tour. Uh, I think 17 Granges in total, or two of them were not official Granges. And had a super fun concert dance in the Grange this weekend, and uh, many, many workshops. I don't know. It was pretty much one of the best things in my life. Anyway... Today I'm joined on the radio by Louisa Conrad from Big Picture Farm, who makes many things, including goat milk caramel. Hi, Louisa. Hi, Severin. How are you? I'm great. What's it like over there? How are the goats? Uh, I'm pretty jealous to hear about Southern California. It was negative, or it's eight degrees uh, this morning, and it's still not above freezing. Or <laughs> it's just been so cold for so long here. But we're making we it. Spring, spring will come. Can we just start talking about how you decided uh, to make caramel your part of your business? How it's like your little journey towards goats and then towards caramel? Yeah. So um, my husband and I were teaching um, art and poetry and living in Vermont and, you know, had a garden and some chickens. And um, we had a gap in our teaching schedule and um, took an internship at Blue Ledge Farm up in Addison County, Vermont, and started making goat cheese. And I've always had a deep love for goat cheese and eaten it all my life. And um, uh, we fell in love with goats, and we're just trying to figure out how to make a go of it with some goats of our own. Um, And we found a gig at a farm in southern Vermont, Peaked Mountain Farm, and we came here to make their sheep milk cheese. and milk their sheep, and um, but as part of the deal, we were allowed to, to bring a couple goats with us, so we got a couple goats, and um, I just started making caramels for farmers market, and um, the plan was always mostly to do cheese. Um, 
but the cheese room was occupied by their cheese business, so I sort of focused on the caramels first, and then that business kind of just grew, and now that's really our main concentration, but um, we still make a bunch of cheese and love cheese, so, yeah. Well, and I don't know, your goat milk caramels are everywhere in the little fancy stores, and you kind of, like, got in quick and early, and now there's other people doing more. I mean, I think there's probably always been people doing super artisanal organic treats, but it feels like you got in, you had a good timing in the fancy pants organic treat category. How did you yeah, like, I think we figure out that? What? what? Um, maybe just talk a little bit about what that was like, um, learning about that whole sector and how to operate in that category. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time um, when we were doing research for our farm in general, just in specialty food stores, checking out cheeses and um, all the products in specialty food stores. And um, so we targeted cheese stores as who we wanted to sell to. Um, We know they appreciate high-quality dairy from happy animals that are out on pasture um, and respect um, the kind of farm that we have. So that was sort of the market that we were targeting and... um, you know, mongers are great people, and um, the relationships worked well. And so what's your kind of volume of caramel? Or what's the, how do you, what are your different market channels, and what kind of volume do you push through those channels? Yeah, so we, we produce most heavily in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, then we're making sort of six days a week caramel, um, and we don't make any cheese in the fall. We make cheese throughout the summer, and then we sort of um, we balance out the cheese and the caramel, so they're both kind of going half and half. Um, and so, you know, we sell to specialty food stores across the country, but most heavily in New York and New England for sure. Um, it's just easier to get, get them there, and um, those are the places we sort of have the closest relationships with. Um, yeah, we feel really lucky for the, you know, there's just amazing stores out there that are um, putting out really high-quality goods, and um, it's a fun market to be a part of. Can we talk a little bit about um, the work in the art part of this? Like, again, I, I feel like you're such a powerful example of having figured out how to ace it in on a small scale and like operating with a pretty tricky like you're competing in that fancy category with a bunch of pet projects of a bunch of pretty fancy sophisticated Italians um how you designed your product to be differentiated from those um other players uh and just especially thinking in terms of an audience of other people who are interested to develop their own businesses yeah, I mean, one of our missions here at Big Picture Farm has always just been to integrate narrative, um, an agricultural narrative specifically, into the product and to get that back out to the customer. And that was one of the things that was attractive to caramels, um, attractive about caramels for us is that, um, you know, cheese is this beautiful, pure product um, that I think is every bit high art sculpture in and of itself. Um, but it doesn't it's harder to put a story on top of it. It's just perfect as it is. Um, and even if you design packaging for it, um, you know, it's normally stripped of that when it's in a cheese case, cheese case anyway, to store. Um, 
so we liked that caramels, we could sort of add the story element, you know, on the packaging, on the box. You know, you could have pictures of our goats. Um, and, you know, we invite everyone to come to our farm blog and sort of follow along. And that was really important to us. That was sort of why we were interested in doing this in the first place, is sort of telling the story of this these set of animals that we live with. And um, I think the more you keep that in intact, um, people really respond. They they want to be a part of it, and um, they like following along. And, um, and you know, I think it it just it adds there's a story, and it's also you know it's why we do what we do. We like storytelling, and um, so it's fun for us. It allows us to use um, skills that you know are totally unrelated to farming um, in the marketing and design and sales of the product. Um, and so that's been really fun and rewarding. And I guess I would just so add, like, I would... For your, next for your farm business, what are you kind of trying to deal with next? What's coming along? Um, where do you see opportunity? What's the hazard? Um, how are you thinking that also? Yeah, so, you know, we've, we've grown a lot pretty quickly, and, um, you know, Growth is hard and um, not sustainable um, always at certain paces. So we're 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 at a good size right now. We feel herd wise, um, we'll have 40 milkers this year, and um, that's sort of a little bit more than we initially ever intended. And um, I think that's a good size for us. So we'll probably try and stick at that. Um, I think with the caramel, we'd like to just continue making it like the highest possible quality we can do um, and maintain that quality as opposed to trying to scale it and mass produce it more, um, which is a tough thing to pull off because that's not the way the market demands, you know, because someone else comes in and um, if they make more, it's just cheaper um, by the nature of the way processing works. But um, we're committed to that, and um, we love making cheese in the summer. I've actually been at a cheese affinage class the last couple of days over with Peter Dixon in Westminster, Vermont, and I'm just super excited about taking, continuing to um, make cheese with our milk and um, make the quality of that better and better, and, um, you know, it's, um, we would like to incorporate the storytelling aspect of the farm more and more as well. We haven't, you know, running a farm and starting a business is such a grind, um, and you're working 80 hours a week all the time that you can have these wild big dreams, and I'm sure most farmers have them about all the things you're going to do, but the reality is you just have to, you know, make sure your animal's water isn't frozen and then everyone's taken care of. And um, so we're finally at a point where we have um, a little more space to imagine possibilities. Um, so we're about to start kidding season, and I'd love to get more interactive stuff up on the web as part of kidding season this year. I don't know if it'll really happen or not, but... We've been trying out some new cameras and, um, you know, sort of fun projects like that that can can bring in people into the farm story a little bit more. Yeah, interactive web games around milking and baby cows. Well, I mean, baby goats. That's really super fun. Uh, uh, yeah, and webcams and, you know, people just, like, like seeing what's going on. The animals and goats in particular, I mean, it's the year of the goat and goats are so lovely and charming and, um, you know, it's kind of difficult. You know, it's backyard goats aren't necessarily the easiest animals to have. Um, 
because they do want to be where they want to be. And so, you know, unless you're going to really invest a lot of time and energy into moving them every day to the freshest grass that they're always happy, you know, they're, they're tough. So it's fun to be able to let people in on that and then they don't have to keep their own goats. Um, okay, here's a curiosity point that I have. It's not mm-hmm. related to online or interactive. It's just um, a lot of people that I know who make caramels, including myself, when I make them, they're so sticky on the outside, and then they get stuck to the wrapper and it looks kind of amateurish. Um, how come your caramels are not like that? Um, so we have a different sets of curing rooms that we keep our caramel in. Um, as I said, I was, I've been in an affinage class all week talking about cheese caves and humidity and temperature, and, you know, at every point of the cheese-make process, there's a different ideal um, temperature and humidity, and um, the same is true for caramel. So it's an extremely finicky product, which is why it can be difficult to, to make at home. Um, we have to change our recipe according to the time of year, the weather, you know, the quality of our milk changes throughout the year based on what the goats are eating and what period of their lactation cycle they're in. Um, so it's just a really complicated, finicky kind of product, which makes it fun and challenging, but can make it kind of a nightmare for, yeah, if you're making it home. It took probably took me around... Um, eight months on the stovetop to get a recipe that I liked. Um, and, you know, then even to sort of work out issues at our current scale, you know, you're just sort of always evolving. Are you thinking about doing more or different confections or, like, what other space do you see in the marketplace? Yeah, we've been messing around with a lot of chocolate-covered caramels. Um and that's been fun, and they're super-duper delicious. Um, they're probably my favorite. Um, we've also been making, like, turtles, you know, or, like, goatlers, go- 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 I call them. Um, and those are fun. Uh, right now we're not making them in a way that's efficient enough to really um, sell them. I mean, we do sell them, but um, we only can retail them. We can't wholesale them because we just it takes us so long to make them that our cost is pretty much what it is. Um, but that's something we're investigating and playing with to see if we could figure out a way to make ourselves more efficient so that we, that could be a product we, we bring to market. Um, we also we have lots of sort of second caramel that, um, you know, I'm looking for a, to develop a product for that, but, you know, sort of always something like caramel popcorn. Um, but honestly, I would be excited to, um, you know, I feel like, we make cheese, we make caramel, we have a huge garden, um, we feed uh, everyone who lives on the farm and expanding, sort of really being able to diversify the farm more, um, not on a commercial scale, but just for sort of the quality of life for everyone who's living on the mountain with us. Um, because it's it's just so hard when you start farming. You know, you come in, you have dreams, and you're like, I want three pigs, I want a cow, I want, you know, I'm going to have bees, I'm going to have an orchard, I'm going to grow strawberries, I'm going to pickle everything. And everything's expensive and time-consuming. Um, and for us, it was really critical that we just focus on our goats and our milk and our caramel And um, for the first few years, and we're finally getting to a point where we can really branch out. Um, you know, now we have chickens, and um, 
the pigs might come back and as I said, the garden's there, and we planted an orchard last year, and now I want to add a lot of um, a big blueberry patch and raspberry patch. So there's a lot of things like that, That and I've always wanted to have a dye garden. Um, so I'm super excited about springtime and all the things that we can plant, but again, I think those are things that will just sort of be for, for those living right around us. Um, we won't necessarily make it to market. Well, I've just been hanging out with some tobacco people again and just talking through the hybrid hybrid economies that are part of the tobacco culture. Having a cash crop and then having a whole homestead and kind of non-monetary lifestyle, self-sustaining, and then other career mix. Right. And you're, I'm really impressed how quickly you got to the point of being... Um, well, anyway, just super focused and getting a really high-value product out there. And, you know, we brought it down the river on the sailboat. And those oh, yeah. Were out by, they were, they were that so was such popular. a cool project. I've met a few people who were on that boat um, at different moments. Yeah, it was a big team. Just the Greenhorns alone, there were 15 of us who were involved. Yeah, well, it's been cool to see how the Greenhorns has evolved. I mean, I remember... Uh, you guys, you know, being really active following your blog, especially when we first started getting going five years ago. And, um, you know, I, I'd be curious how you feel like the Young Farmer movement, movement has evolved, you know, since then, in the last, since sort of we started out. Just like there's even more young farmers now than that, than before? Or? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I um, I talked to a lot of people who, who are farming and who are kind of in your scene, like 90 hours a week, full throttle, like maybe about to pop out a baby. And I see them and they're like, oh, yeah, I used to read your blog every day back when I was, you know, an intern or trying to think about farming. And um, and then the people who are our readership and our, you know, listenership now are, are again, those younger ones. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely more and more. Um, I just don't know... Um, yeah, I don't know how many more and more of them can feasibly enter into magic portal ways that the ones of us who are now like early thirties, mid thirties, like found the magic sweet spot of caramel, the magic sweet spot of this old barn, and the magic sweet spot of this like town that had no CSA. And so like those magic sweet spots are those niches are definitely limited. So one of my, you know, big that's one of the areas I'm wondering about is, like, how do we change the terms of the game better to be able to actually not just be a hyper-minority of young people making it in diversified agriculture? Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, um, what else do you think we should talk about <laughs> in our last 10 minutes? What do you feel like um, you want to pass on about the future of the present of... Well, I guess I do think that it's really super important for people to... What? Or even just... How do I like Vermont? Vermont? I still couldn't hear what part of Vermont you want. Oh, just the latest, what's happening in Vermont. Oh, what's happening in Vermont? Well, Vermont is very gloomy right now. I mean, it's extremely sunny, but um, everyone's had it. Um, The animals have had it. Um... All the wood piles are totally low or empty. Our barn is scarily looking like a 
perfect place for a barn dance and not at all. Like, it's filled with hay. Um, and we still have probably around two feet of snow, so um, which has been there clear since the beginning of November, no break, which is very rare. Normally we get some thaw at least. Um, but, you know, I guess that's better than no rain like California has. Um, but I guess what I would say, I mean, one of the things that I I like to, to tell people when I give advice is that it is super important to um, focus, even if you are hoping to have, like, a tiny operation I feel like, um, you know, specialization has become kind of a bad word. You know, everyone wants just, like, the fully diversified operation. And, you know, as I said, that's something we've been able to integrate back into our lives on a small personal scale. Um, but it is, like, I feel like as a you have to think about a farm as a business. And, um, you know, you're just, if you can make one thing efficient enough that you can bring it to market at a price that's attractive, then that's going to really help you, you know, live the quality of life you want with the rest of the elements of the farm. And I feel like, you know, it's not as romantic a, a path, but it, um, I feel like it can get you to the, to the place that a lot of people want to be. Um, so I guess that would be my, my advice to folks out there in my, very limited amount of experience, but, um, yeah, and I guess, I mean, also just back to the art and, and farming element, I think that, um, I'm really inspired by, um, how many artists there are that are farming. I'd love to see more, um, everybody's so busy, but, um, just, It'd be interesting, you know, just even the goat farmers in Vermont that are artists is kind of incredible. Um, you go to so many different goat farmers' houses, and there's these, like, beautiful paintings in them that the artists, that the person who's also making the cheese made. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about moving out of monoculture, and I want to talk about all the people who are going to be taking on land that's polluted and destroyed, because I feel like so much of the good progress that we see now and the really awesome farms are made possible by special sweet situations and dealing with land that's been abandoned and under kind of underutilized in, you know, two little mountain places or sheltered in some other way, and I'm interested in confronting the land that has been in, you know, maximum production world and commodity world and is needing major land restoration and how to format the approach to that problem. But um, Yeah, I, I mean, that's, like, you. just different in Vermont. Vermont doesn't have as much of that land. Um, I mean, I'd say, like, for us, it's, like, we have a rocky landscape. We live on a rocky, ledgy mountain. Um, and what's cool about Vermont right now is there's a lot of these small hillside farms that were pretty popular in the 1800s, um, and they're all, you know, they're coming back here and there because they were abandoned in favor of the, um, you know, when all the cow dairies kind of consolidated and became a little bigger. Um, everybody moved off the hills. But now you're seeing, like, little smaller operations, um, there's uh, Plowgate Creamery just put out their butter to market, um, Marissa, up in Westfield. It's super delicious. Um, 
It's a sort of hillside farm up in Waitsfield, Vermont. It's incredible. Um, so just, you know, in Vermont, I feel like it's just sort of reclaiming the Patchy Hills landscape, which is just the smaller operations. Um, and that's been really, really fun to see. Well, and what I heard from Applegate, um, I really like that lady, by the way. What's her name? Uh, from where? Not Applegate. Plowgate. Marissa. She, she said that farm that Marissa. She said that on the farm that they that they are now on, they were the winning bid. That there were like thirty five people bidding on that land. Yeah. Yeah, the Vermont Land Trust does great things. Um. Okay, I have to wrap it up. I think we should talk in person sometime because I feel like there's a nice philosophical come that can happen. Um, my job is to announce to everyone that they should tune in, turn on to all of the four collections of music that we now have produced, um, especially around the Grange. So we have um, the Grange Future album that's coming out on vinyl in only four weeks. Uh, and then we also have uh, a bunch of songs uh, work songs and songs from around the world, agrarian songs, all that is part of the broader Almanac effort. So we've sold already 2,000 copies of our 2015 Almanac, and I hope we sell out so we can print more and keep it up. And the other thing I need to announce is not much. That's all I need to announce. Do you have any announcements in your bioregion or classes you might be teaching? Me? Yeah, you. Nope. Nope, just everyone, uh, hope everyone has a great spring. And if they want to follow along, we're at, we're at Big Picture Farm. We're on Instagram, Facebook, all the fun places. <laughs> Happy spring. Eat more caramels. Thank you, yeah. everyone. Thanks, everyone. Happy spring. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 